0: This is part two of anatomy trains and finishing up going over the rest of the myofascial meridians whenever you're rehabbing or training for something trying to improve performance it's pretty commonly known now that the entire body it communicates and interacts with each other in a seamless fashion so for example there could be an issue stemming in your back and that could affect your shoulder or it could affect your ankle and vice versa all of these things are interconnected and that's what i want to talk about today that's the topic. Most people have heard the term of fascia before, but we're going to dive a little deeper and explain how the fascia actually is a continuous web in your entire body. And it actually creates these myofascial meridians, these lines of pull that span from your head to your toe, and it is activated and stressed in all these different ways. And when we have dysfunctional lines of pull, that can create a lot of other issues, could cause injuries, and also could decrease your performance. So stay tuned for this one. Let's talk about some anatomy This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the h and Movement Podcast. Thank you for tuning in for another week. For all of my new listeners out there, you're in the right place to hear about all of these topics and strategies that help you to optimize human performance. For all of my returning listeners out there, thank you again for tuning in. I hope everyone is doing well. Again, the weeks just seem to be flying by. And I don't know about for everyone out there, but things are really busy for me, but in a good way. For everyone out there, if you haven't heard some of the previous past episodes, go check that out on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. There's been a lot of solo topics, great guest interviews that have come on and shared their story, their journey, something that we can all take something away from. Also for these guest interviews, I am putting up video highlight clips, short video clips in bite sizes to listen to some of the great things that the guests have to share. And these videos are going up on my YouTube channel. So be sure to check out or search for h Movement and you can see all of the previous highlight clips. Other than that, let's jump into today's episode. And again, Kind of nerding out on anatomy trains, myofascial meridians, but I feel like these are important concepts that most people don't get exposed to. Even a lot of students that go through structured curriculum in athletic training, kinesiology, physical therapy, I feel like this is not something that you're exposed to until after you graduate. And these are things that I have found very helpful. Obviously, I believe in it a lot because it helps to formulate my thought process, and you're getting a little taste into some of the things that I'm thinking of. Just one of the many concepts that I'm using to help the athletes and clients that I work with. So, again, just hold on tight. I'm trying to make it as short and brief as possible, but also give you a lot of information to give you a taste of how integrated the myofascial system really is in the body. So last week, we went over the superficial back line, superficial front line, lateral line, and spiral lines. Today, I'm going to finish off with the arm lines. There's multiple arm lines, the functional line, and the deep front line, which is probably the most important, kind of the core of the myofascial system. So let's break down the arm lines. It's actually more simple than it seems, but there's a lot of arm lines. So basically... You have a front arm line and a back arm line. Front meaning the anterior side of your body and the front back on the posterior side or the back of your arm. And then how we talked about the depths of the fascial layers, just how the muscles are oriented. You are going to have both a superficial and a deep front arm line and a superficial and a deep back arm line. So overall we're going to go over four different arm lines but just know that they all kind of function and work together with all of our upper extremity movements. Now the big thing to know here is that because these arm lines are one fascial line, this can explain and give you a further understanding as to what's causing certain issues. A lot of shoulder issues, it can span down this entire arm line, along with other places in our body, but also any type of hand and wrist issue, sometimes it's influenced by the shoulder because of these arm lines that I'm going to discuss. So let's start with the superficial front arm line. So we're on the superficial layer, and we're in the front of the arm. So it actually starts from our sternum and our chest, and you're going to see that it starts with the connection into our sternum, and that is the pectoralis major muscle. And the pectoralis major, it crosses your shoulder joint, so it's going to attach to the lateral lip of the intertubercular groove. And because it's attaching to the humerus, it is actually spanning, remember, around your bone. You still have fascia around your bone. So it is actually blending into the fascia around the bone and then it creates this intermuscular septum that spans all the way down the medial side of our humerus and basically that's separating our biceps and our triceps into compartments and because it's going down the medial side of our humerus it is going to blend in with all of the wrist and finger flexors crossing the wrist joint in the anterior compartment of our forearm. We have nine muscle tendons that actually enter the carpal tunnel, that small tunnel that is formed between our carpal bones and the flexor retinaculum. So that is the superficial front arm line. And an easy way that I like to think of this is the superficial, it starts very superficial, pec major on the front of your chest, and then it's deep fascial connection in the upper arm and superficial fascial connection in the forearm. Now in contrast to that, let's go deeper. Let's talk about the deep front arm line. So the deep front arm line, it is the inverse of the superficial front arm line, meaning that in the chest and thorax region, that's where it's the deeper muscle. It is going to be pec minor. So pec minor attaches to ribs three, four, and five, and then it originates or inserts into your coracoid process. Your coracoid process is where the short head of the bicep attaches to, and then it's going to be more superficial in the upper arm. So this is going to be your bicep. You can see your bicep. So this is going to be your bicep, the muscle that you can see when you flex your upper arm. And then your biceps brachii attaches to radial tuberosity in your forearm on your radius. And because of that, now it's going to travel deep in the forearm. So that is where it's going to travel along the bone, kind of that interosseous membrane, depth of fascia, and then that fascia is going to be congruent or connect with the thenar muscles. So thenar muscles are the muscle on your thumb side of your palm. And those muscles, again, it's very important for grasping, gripping, fine motor skills. But you can see how these muscles all have this continuous fascial connection all the way up to pec minor. So like I mentioned, it's the inverse of the superficial front arm line, meaning that it's deep in the chest and the thorax, superficial in the upper arm, and deep in the forearm until it pops up and is blending in with the thenar muscles of the hand. Switching gears, let's talk about the superficial back arm line now. If you think about the superficial back arm line, think about the superficial back muscles and the most superficial back muscle is your trapezius muscle. So it actually starts from the trapezius. So again, there's some connection to the base of the skull now. You are going to have your trapezius muscle, and your trapezius muscle, it connects in this horseshoe-like region around your shoulder. So that spine of the scapula, acromion process, and that lateral third of your clavicle. And that trapezius muscle, it is mirroring, or it is on the superior surface, and then on the inferior surface of that same pathway, you have your deltoid muscle, your posterior section of your delt, middle delt, and anterior deltoid muscle. And your deltoid muscle, it attaches to deltoid tuberosity on your humerus. And again, that is t- attaching to your bone. So it is now in that deep layer of the vasa that is around your bone. And it is going to go down and form that lateral intermuscular septum. And this again separates on the lateral side, your biceps from your triceps. So it creates that anterior and posterior compartment in your arm. Then it is going to travel all the way down to your lateral epicondyle region where it is going to now blend in with these muscles that are more superficial in the forearm. It is going to blend in with all of the wrist and finger extensors and this is on the posterior compartment of your forearm and it tracks behind your wrist and attaches to your hand or your phalanges to have that finger extension or wrist extension type of function. So this is very similar to the superficial front arm line. Remember, I talked about the muscles around the thorax region, in this case, your back and your thorax, they are going to be very superficial. Then in the upper arm, your humerus, it dives deeper, and then it pops up to be superficial again when you get to your forearm and it crosses your wrist and your fingers. Now let's dive in a little deeper and talk about the deep back arm line. So just like the front arm line, this is the inverse of the superficial back arm line meaning that in the back region thorax region it is going to be deeper muscles then it's going to pop up more superficially in the humerus or upper arm region and then dive deep in the forearm region again and it's going to blend in with some of the muscles in the hand so towards the midline of the body this is where the fascial layer starts in the layer of the levator scapulae and the rhomboid region then the rhomboids it attaches to that medial border of the scapula and that is going to blend in with the rotator cuff muscles and remember you have your rotator cuff muscles on the posterior side of the scapula that's supraspinatus infraspinatus and teres minor and on the anterior side of the scapula between the scapula and the ribs you have subscapularis and they are going to blend in and attach and hug the head of the humerus and create that glenohumeral joint stability. Now the fascial layers, this is blending in with your triceps muscles in your upper arm. So your tricep muscle on the back of your upper arm is going to attach to the posterior aspect of your ona called your olecranon process now because it's at the bone level it is going to travel very deep so it is going to travel around the periosteum the fascial layer around your bone and then the fascia will continue on to the hypothenar muscles so these are the muscle group on the pinky side of your palm those hypothenar muscles again responsible for fine motor skills gripping grasping cupping your hands so that we can hold on to things and those muscles blend in with the deep back arm line so you can see again there's connection all the way up to your neck with the levator scapulae muscles and this can explain a lot of reasons why we have certain compensatory functions, compensatory movement patterns, tightness, any dysfunctional type of movement down this line. So overall the key things that I like here is that whenever we're stretching shoulder, chest, upper extremity type of muscles If I feel that it's beneficial, I tend to stretch the entire line system down your arm, meaning that I am getting some forearm, wrist, finger type of stretching in addition to what's going on and how we're stretching at the shoulder. So this is just how you can kind of make that connection and know that everything's interconnected along these arm lines. So again, as a recap, you have front and back arm lines and each front and back has a superficial and a deep front arm line, superficial and a deep back arm line next let's talk about the functional line So this is something that you're going to see a lot of similarities, but it's something that supplements the function of the spiral line. And functional line, because a lot of the things that we do have this cross body type of force, meaning that we're trying to bring our opposite shoulder to the opposite hip and throwing and walking even and running. You have this type of rotational motion where you're trying to go across your body to efficiently produce force or do some type of movement task. Basically, the functional line is the link between one shoulder girdle, upper extremity to the opposite hip and lower limb. We are going to start in the back of the body with your latissimus dorsi muscle. So your latissimus dorsi muscle, it is going to attach to your humerus and attach and blend in with that thoracolumbar fascia again. And that also blends into the fascia over your sacrum, which is in the same layer as your gluteus maximus muscle. So your gluteus maximus muscle is going to attach and blend into your IT band and attach to that greater trochanter region. But also in that same layer, you have your vastus lateralis, the lateral muscle of your quadriceps. And that vastus lateralis muscle is going to attach to your quad tendon and eventually to your patellar tendon. So those muscles are actually termed the back functional line. And then you're also gonna have a front functional line, which is going to, again, do the same thing. Try to link the upper extremity, that shoulder girdle to your opposite hip. So the front functional line, it is going to connect and link the shaft of the humerus to the lower portion of your pectoralis major muscle. It says the more lower portion because that's the layer that has direct communication and connection with your rectus abdominis. And your rectus abdominis is going to attach on the medial aspect of your pubic bones, which will blend into the adductor longus muscle that attaches to your femur. So you can see how this integration links the femur all the way up to your humerus. And again, it's kind of this cross body action where you are trying to bring this one shoulder to your opposite hip and thigh. Again, one of the things that I like to do is think about this with the spiral line because both of them will work together, supplement each other, and a lot of athletic movements or even daily movements that involve this cross body action, that is what the functional line and the spiral line is really supporting those types of movements. And lastly, let's talk about the deep front line. So this is really like the body's myofascial core. This line is super crucial to maintain posture, to work with the other lines and to keep our body in balance. The big primary functions of this deep front line is to maintain that medial longitudinal arch in our foot, that inner arch, to try to keep that lifted and supported. That in turn helps to stabilize our leg, especially our lower leg portion, Up the chain, it will help to support the anterior aspect or the front aspect of our spine. It helps to support proper breathing function and stabilize our chest and also plays a crucial role in neck posture and alignment and stabilizing our neck region as well. So this gets a little complex so we're going to break it up and I'm going to break down where this pathway, the line of pull, this myofascial meridian actually lies. So starting at the foot, We are going to start with tibialis posterior and the flexor muscles of the toes. So you have flexor digitorum longus and flexor hallucis longus, the four toes and the big toe respectively. And those muscles are going to start from underneath the foot and it is going to come up behind that medial malleolus and attach to the tibia and the fibula. And then it is going to blend in that same fascial layer up the posterior side of the tibia and it is going to blend with the fascia around the popliteus muscle. So the popliteus muscle is a small muscle behind your knee that is responsible for unlocking our knee when we're coming out of full knee extension. You don't really have to know the reasoning behind that right now but that muscle is going to cross the knee joint. So from the tibia to the lateral condyle of the femur. This is also the same layer of the knee joint capsule and if we trace up, we're going to move more to the medial side now. And then we're going to move up and it's going to blend in with the intermuscular septum that divides the medial compartment of the thigh, your adductor muscles, and the posterior compartment of the thigh that houses your hamstring muscles. So it is going to be in that fascial layer and blend in with the muscles of adductor magnus and adductor minimus. From there, it's going to blend into the small muscles of our pelvic floor. And our pelvic floor has a lot of muscles that is very involved with intra-abdominal pressure, trying to create that core stability from the bottom or the floor of our pelvis. And looking at the pelvic floor muscles, you also have one of the deep hip lateral rotators or external rotators, your obturator internus. So it is going to blend in with that sheath the fascia of the operator internus, And again, this is going to be same level or same depth as the anterior surface of the sacrum, the fascia that covers the sacrum. And as you can probably guess, because we're going to be on the front side or anterior side of the spinal column, The myofascial connection continues along the anterior longitudinal ligament that goes all the way up the spinal column on the anterior side, the vertebral body side, the anterior surface of the vertebral bodies, all the way up our spinal column, all the way up to our skull. Now I'm going to stay more on the posterior side of the body because it kind of deviates. And there's an anterior, middle, and posterior, I guess you could call it divisions, when we get into the thorax in the rib cage of this deep front line. So sticking with that posterior side, we are on the posterior side within the abdominal and thoracic cavity. So that is where, as I mentioned, anterior longitudinal ligament sits on that posterior aspect, that posterior wall. But it's on the front side of the vertebral bodies and the vertebral column. And from there, it's going to blend in with the longest coli and longest capitis muscles. And you can kind of see here, this is anterior longitudinal ligament, and you're gonna have longest coli muscles and then longest capitis muscles, which attaches to the skull. So that is, you can kind of see it's on the posterior side of this thoracic cavity, that cervical region as well, but it's sitting in front or the anterior side of the vertebral column. So next let's jump more into the anterior section or division of this deep front line and it is going to include more of the adductor groups. So again, it came up from that posterior side of the knee joint capsule popliteus muscle fascia and then it blended in with that intermuscular septum that separated the medial compartment from the posterior compartment. But now more of the adductor groups that sit more anteriorly, that is going to be part of the deep front line as well. So this is going to blend in with the anterior part of that intermuscular septum. Now dividing the adductor group from your quad group. And it's going to continue over adductor longus and adductor brevis, as well as pectineus, which is a little higher. And of course the iliopsoas muscle group. So iliacus is the one that attaches or spans on the ilium or iliac crest as well. And you're gonna have psoas major and psoas minor. Remember psoas major, it crosses the hip joint So it's attaching on that lesser trochanter of the femur, and it's going to attach to the transverse processes of your lumbar spine. Because of that, it has a strong influence on lumbar spine positioning, whether this muscle is tight, if you can stabilize your core effectively to generate force through your hip flexor group, all of that is very important for the deep front line. And then as we go up, we're still on the poster aspect of the abdominal cavity. But because we're so deep, we're on that posterior wall, it is going to blend into that diaphragm and that posterior aspect of your diaphragm. And that blends in with that entire diaphragm, that dome shaped like muscle that you can see, which is going to be in the same fascial depth as the fascia on the inside of your rib cage, that thoracic fascia, as well as your transverse thoracic muscles. And those are on the inner side of your rib cage again. And then from there it is going to continue all the way up to the first rib where we get to the infrahyoid muscles so those are the muscles that are involved in swallowing right so that we can eat and drink things and then you have that blend into the suprahyoid muscles so the muscles above the hyoid bone and this is responsible for helping us to move our jaw open our mouth right so that we can again eat and drink things And the last thing I told you, there's a middle aspect to this deep front line. So the middle aspect, again, because it's spanning, the fascia is continuous with the entire diaphragm. It then blends in with the pericardium, the mediastinum, and the parietal pleura. So this is the fascia that's around our lungs, around our heart. It's kind of this grayed out area right here and the mediastinum is just the space in between the two lungs where a lot of other structures will sit but this fascial layer again you can see like how it's going to be very integrated in allowing proper breathing chest pressure and all of those types of things that we need to function. From there, it's going to blend into the pharyngeal raft area. And those muscles are really responsible for helping us to swallow and eat. And then from there, it's going to blend into all the scalene muscles. So the scalene muscles, we have the anterior scalene, middle scalene section, and the posterior scalene muscles. That again, function to produce movement of our neck, but also create that cervical stability, as well as that ability to act on the first rib. Now another fun fact is a lot of these muscles are thought to be more slow twitch in nature meaning that they're more meant for endurance, for posture control, for stability And if you're thinking along those lines, it really helps to provide that stability so that our other superficial lines can function and balance out the body. A lot of things to keep your hip flexors open, your adductor groups mobile, and also working on breathing exercises tend to tune up this deep front line. And again, like I said, the deep front line, if that is not imbalanced, then a lot of times we're gonna have a lot of other imbalances in all of the other lines or myofascial meridians. I know that was a lot of information, but overall those are the big myofascial meridians, anatomy trains or myofascial lines that you can think of. And hopefully this gave you an understanding as to how integrated our fascial system really is. So I went over pretty much seven lines. So you have your superficial front line, superficial back line, lateral line, Then spiral line, you have your arm lines collectively, even though there's four arm lines, your functional line, and then your deep front line. So those are all of the myofascial connections in these lines of pull again with the same direction of individual muscles, as well as having that same depth so that that fascial connection is continuous along this whole line that spans typically from our head to our toe. So I know that was a lot of information and you're listening to this. If you want to see more visuals, make sure to check out my YouTube channel, subscribe to my channel as well, because I will be putting up video clips that match this explanation. So you can actually see on a 3D animation, a model, where these muscles lie, kind of how they are lined up in this myofascial meridian or line, and that will hopefully give you a deeper understanding. Overall, I know it was a lot of information. I tried to break it down and make it simple and just expose you to the myofascial meridians. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to check out all of my social media. A lot more content is coming your way. If you like some of this content, I would love to hear some feedback. Leave comments on social media on my YouTube channel or you can also email me at andrew at hnlmovement.com. Stay tuned for more content coming in the future. A lot of great guest interviews are coming out the rest of this year and also solo topics that I will cover a lot of things that will hopefully help you in some shape or form to progress along your journey. Again, you can find me on social media at h Movement. Check out my YouTube channel and subscribe. Other than that, I hope that you have a great rest of the week ahead of you. Keep training smart, keep working hard, working towards all of those goals and enjoy the process along the way. I will be back here same time, same place. Episodes are released every Tuesday. So until next episode, have a great week, everyone. Aloha.